Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Forward Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this very special episode of the Forward Press, I'm joined by Golf Week senior writer Steve DiMeglio. Steve also writes for USA Today Sports, and he's put together a really big package, a really interesting package, on all things Dustin Johnson. In case you're unaware, DJ's a defending champion this year at the Masters. He won the one back in the fall. Well, he's going to be defending that championship now this year at the 2021 Masters. And Steve DiMeglio went deep, very deep, into all things Dustin Johnson related. The relationship he has with Wayne Gretzky, the relationship he has with his brother, um, AJ. We get into a lot of different things in this package that are fascinating. How his game has matured, discussions and lots of information in there from Butch Harmon, from his agent, David Winkle. Lots of things that you're going to learn now about Dustin Johnson. So sit back, enjoy, and here we go with Steve. So now here with us is Steve DiMeglio, and Steve has put together what is a really cool package on Dustin Johnson, who is going to be defending his Masters Championship this year in Augusta. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just getting counting down the days right now until the Masters starts, so uh, it's good times. Let's do this thing. Let the azaleas bloom, let the dogwoods bloom, let the pimento cheese runneth over, as uh, as probably no one has ever said, but I'm, I'm saying it right now. You have written this compendium opus that really takes a look at our defending champion, Dustin Johnson, from a lot of different angles. Obviously, we all know Dustin Johnson as a two-time major winner, the world number one player, and a dominant force, certainly over the last you know, several years when it comes to life on the golf course. But what I really thought was interesting was that you get into, in this package, Dustin Johnson away from the golf course and the idea of how much do we really know DJ. And one of the quotes you you got from Rory McIlroy, I think, sort of summed it up. Well, I'm just going to read your quote back to you. He said, this is Rory. And when he wants to engage with you and have a proper conversation about whatever topic it is, he can have it. He just would rather not have it with you guys, meaning the media. That's basically what it is. He saves that for his inner circle and the people that he trusts and the people that he really likes. So, Steve, as you're putting all this together and you're hearing people like DJ and David Winkle, who's DJ's manager and such like that, telling you about this, how much did you learn about Dustin Johnson? You've been covering him for years, but do you have a different outlook or take on DJ now that you put all this stuff together? Slightly. Um, and one, the engaging part, it's interesting. One of the things that I found very interesting is, and uh, Butch Harmon, his coach from 2009, and along with Claude Harmon, who's his coach now, told me, "You're not, you're not, you're going to learn something when you make the phone call with DJ." And I got DJ on the phone for about 35, 40 minutes, and I knew exactly what Butch was talking about. There were no cameras around. There was nobody else on the phone. It was just him and me. And he was much more engaging than at any other time, except for one other time that I'd ever come across. He was flowing with his words. He was taking, he was coming up with his own stories. He didn't have to be led anywhere. 
And he certainly wasn't counting down. I didn't get the feeling he was counting down the minutes till the phone call would be over. Mm-hmm. Um, he lit up talking about Tatum and Rivers, two sons. He lit up about a lot of things. And it took me back. The only other time I had an extended one-on-one with him was at Torrey Pines after Tatum was born. His first son was born. And I asked David Winkle, his longtime agent, and I said, would DJ talk about becoming a father? And Winkle said, sure, go over there, sure. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stop him talking. I couldn't shut DJ up. Um, and it was fascinating. And I like what Wayne Gretzky, who they became friends with when uh, DJ started dating Paulina Gretzky, now his fiance. What Wayne Gretzky told me about uh, DJ is very rarely what you see is what you get when we fans watch sports figures. But with DJ, he's exactly what you see is what you get. He's extremely polite. He's, he, he, he has a slow roll. He rolls slowly. He likes to just saunter about. Um, he focuses when he wants to focus on. He, he just loves life. He, he gets back. He, he loves what he loves. And um, he works hard at what he wants to work hard at. Um, and he doesn't really have to get technical on a whole lot of things. Um, he's just, he's DJ. He, he's, he's, su- he, he's chill personified. So, personified. yeah. You know, you know, he's Southern cool. He's, he loves his fishing. He loves his boat. He loves his children. He loves to hit a golf ball. He loves to work hard so he can hit that golf ball better. Um, he loves his family. He loves that tight inner circle around him. And you get that when I was talking with a wide range of people about how tight his circle is, but how generous he is with everyone in, in that circle. Yeah. I In your pieces, you mentioned Colt Nost is a person who comes through. And a lot of people may not realize that he and DJ have had a long relationship. They actually roomed. I learned from, from your reporting that they roomed together early on when they were professionals, um, played a lot of golf uh, growing up somewhat in in the same kind of time periods and such like that in and around the game. The um one of the themes that sort of came to me as I was reading all this stuff was what I'm just going to call because I'm, you know, do whatever is is the Dow of DJ. I mean, th- this thing to me was perfectly summed up by his agent, as you mentioned David Winkle who said, it, you know, um he he nothing really sticks to him. Everything sort of rolls off his back. And I think that there's been this perception that that's what DJ is, but when you talk to him, um, he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a game. I love the game, but there is zero I can do about it to change something that's already happened. I just keep trying to press forward. Is So what you're saying, Steve, is that, that that's the way he is pretty much day to day. I mean, it's it's a really great thing on the golf course. And Wayne Gretzky attributes that to, to some of his success, and you you get into that. But but from what you're saying, that's the way he is off the golf course as well, right? Oh, sure. I mean, with his children, they won't get angry if a fish got off the hook when they're fishing, you know, and he loves, I think more than anything else in this world, what he likes to do is go fishing with Tatum and river, his two sons. And from everything that I've been told about the two of them, they're exactly like DJ. They, they look forward. They don't behind. Um, I think one of the best examples, there are so many examples. Mm-hmm. I found fascinating at, at, at the 2011 open championship that Darren Clark won. DJ was in contention late into the final round and he tried to muscle a two iron onto the green on a par five. And instead he hit it out of bounds. 
Joey LaCobb, by the way, was his caddy at the time, took another ball, dropped it, hit three wood under the green. But that had knocked him out. And David Winkle was there, and he thought DJ would be devastated. And he said DJ bounded out of the scoring center and said, first top five, best finish in a major, Winky. You know, it's just that's what he concentrated on. And instead of looking back, oh, if I wouldn't hit that ball out of bounds, he says, my best finish in a major and look forward. And there's many other instances like that. You know, after the devastating loss at Chambers Bay in the 2015 U.S. Open, you know, he has a 12-foot downhill putt for the win on the 72nd hole. He missed it. He has an inside four feet to get into a playoff with Jordan Spieth. Spieth, he missed that. He taps in for a devastating, you know, par that left him one shot out. He did his media. They took the a drive up to a makeshift clubhouse. He got out, signed autographs for all the kids that were waiting there, got back into the car to go home to the rental home. And he pulled over the car and told everybody in the car, which was David Winkle, Paulina Gretzky, AJ, Austin Johnson, his brother was in there. Guys, lighten up. It's just a game. Yeah. He pulled the car over. So they were trying to boost his spirits. He instead boosted their spirits. And then he went and played golf for 21 straight days with buddies. So, you know, that is who DJ is. So one of the things that obviously comes out in the package is his pretty unique relationship with Wayne Gretzky. Um, obviously, Wayne Gretzky being, aside from any lingering Gordie Howe fans, the, the greatest hockey player who ever lived. And having a relationship with DJ, I think that there is the assumption that at some point or another, the two of them have sat down and talked about what it means to be a champion. What it, what it, what do you have to do? What are the do's and don'ts? And it sounds like, from what Dustin was telling you, there hasn't been this sort of like formal sit down. There haven't been these long discussions. It's more, if I'm reading, you know, your your stuff correctly and and understanding the the ins and outs of this, it's more just being around Wayne and seeing him almost as a role model, seeing how he carries himself, how he tries to partition off his time his family stuff his work time obviously he's still a really busy guy but that that came about in a lot it came it comes off a lot differently than i think a lot of people um really would assume the number one thing that i took from your discussion about the the relationship between wayne and dj was after the aforementioned three putt at chambers bay um wayne did interject it sounds like one time um, before Dustin Johnson left the property. I'll let you sort of tell the story, but I think it's fascinating. Well, the first time, you know, I got on the phone with Wayne, and the first thing he said, look, it, I'm not the DJ whisperer. I'm not the DJ guru. We have never had a formal sit down. I've never looked at DJ, hey, let's go talk about this. He's let, laid out little things here and there. One of the most important things is to strive for more. You know, if you win twice in one year, don't be happy. Let's go try to get that third win before the year's over, and that fourth win and fifth one and sixth one. But mostly they were just hanging out around each other. And as Wayne said, there was one time he gave him advice, and it was after Chambers Bay, after he three-putted to lose by one. Um, Wayne went up to him, I know you want to get out of here, but you've got to go give the media 10 minutes. You've got to show them how much it hurts you. You've got to be honest with them. Don't sugarcoat anything. It'll be the best 10 minutes you've ever given. And I remember that interview, and it was great, and he did hurt. But as we later learned, almost by the time they got up to that long, 
the big hill up the top where the makeshift clubhouse was, most of that pain was gone. DJ doesn't look back. He looks forward. Um, and DJ and Wayne are basically, they're, they're almost identical. They're both very extremely humble. They're both very extremely polite. Um, they don't brag about anything they do. They don't, you know, they don't. They, they just, and I think they get along so well. They play golf all the time together. They've played in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am multiple times. Um, they play a lot out at Sherwood Country Club in, in north of Los Angeles, um, where Wayne lives. Um, they just like to hang out with each other. And I think, as as you said and as others have said, um, instead of formal sit-downs, instead of a blueprint, instead of a game plan, they would just talk about everything, every subject on earth that you could think of that they, they share interests with, sports, children, their own, their families, golf, they love golf, um, other sports, etc. cetera. Um, and they just like hanging out with, and he, every now and then Wayne will drop some knowledge and it'll be just in passing, you know, and DJ, DJ told me he saw how Wayne handles himself because Wayne is still a pretty big star. Nothing like he was when he was in Canada. Sure. I've seen him at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And he he's asked for as many autographs as almost everybody there, not named Bill Murray, um, you know, or if Tiger shows up. But he and, you know, he pleasantly he, he has interaction with fans as they're walking down the fairways. I mean, he does. And that's they're extremely polite. They're outgoing um, when they want to be. They're very nice people. And and I think Wayne just got a little better path on how to get better. Just by watching what Rain, what Wayne mm -hmm. does to this day, and listening to what Wayne did, you know, when they won a Stanley Cup, hey, we didn't, we didn't just celebrate for the next half a year. We started thinking about the next Stanley Cup, you know, little things like that. So, um, it's been a great relationship, and it still is a great relationship uh, today. It's a, uh, it's a tremendous role model to have somebody like that that you, I'm sure, can go to and ask questions, but better than that to just be able to see like this is how it's done so you just do it you you don't read about it. you just you just sort of follow the lead and um, it seems like it comes naturally to both of them let's talk a little bit about the masters 2020 so before we get into some 2021 stuff looking back on it dustin johnson just blitzed everybody i mean it was an unbelievable uh performance that he had so good in fact that as you noted cameron smith becomes the only player to ever shoot four rounds in the 60s and he gets lapped. He ends up losing by five shots because DJ ends up shooting, becoming the first player to shoot two rounds of 65 or better in the same Masters. Um, we had thought for a long time that DJ should win the Masters. There's There didn't seem to be any reason. He started finally playing a cut a little bit off of uh, the tee with that big driver a few years ago. Um, how surprised were you? How At what point did it, did it feel last year that it was inevitable? that this was going to be DJ's year. Do you remember since you were there in the fall masters, at what point did you feel like, Oh, th this is, this is now becoming a foregone conclusion. Let's start the the canon about how great DJ is at Augusta. When did you feel it? Well, honestly, I didn't feel it until late on Sunday. Um, <laughs> because in the back of our minds, there was, you know, the failures to get it done um, in yep. other majors before that. And he took a, a substantial lead in the final round. I think he took a four-shot lead in the final round. But we were out there when he chunked his his, his third shot on 
on the second hole. And then we saw him bogey four and five. And we were up there when he went to the sixth tee, and all of a sudden his lead was down to one. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, is this going to be another one? Another, oh, just can't, you know, near miss for DJ. Um, and then he said, he right, and then he rifled an eight iron from, I think, 180 to about six feet, made the putt for birdie. He birdied eight, and then he birdied 13, 14, 15. I would think maybe right around 13, I started writing my DJ lead, you know, mm-hmm. to have it. What was very interesting, and you talk about, DJ, when he went out, when he became a pro in 2008, he just wanted to bludgeon golf courses to death. He just wanted to beat them up. He just, I'm going to send it with his driver. I'm just going to hit as far as I can and worry about the next shot. But he had learned you you can't win that way. He had developed the cut. And Butch told me, Butch Harmon told me they'd been working on the cut for years and years. DJ just wasn't confident enough to do it. And then I think it was 2015 or 2016, he was testing equipment at Sherwood. And he couldn't hit his draw, so he started hitting the fade. Then he shot 61, 62, 61. He called up Butchie. He goes, hey, Butchie, I'm hitting the fade. I'm playing real well. I think I'm going to keep this. And Butch goes, good idea. You know, good idea for you. Good job, DJ. Another monumental moment came when he discovered TrackMan. And it was at Riviera. And he had just won the morning portion of the Pro-Am with with Janet Gretzky, Wayne's wife, and their son. so everybody thought they were going to go celebrate. He went to the range, and David Winkle said, about an hour later, I said, oh, DJ's still down there. Let's go. You know, he went down there, and DJ was still with the track man reps, tailor-made reps, hitting wedges. And he fell in love with the wedge game, and he developed a system where he would go half, three-quarter, full, and figure out his yardages with every one of those wedges from those you know, half, three-quarter. And it was interesting in the final round, at Augusta, he got to 13, and AJ told me this, at 13 and 15, the two par fives, DJ could have easily gone for those greens in two. But he said, nah, we don't have to do that. I'm just going to lay it up, and then we'll wedge it in. And he laid up, wedged into both of them, and made birdies on both of them. Um, the old DJ would have just blasted, uh, you know, whatever it would have taken to get to the green in two. But he's starting to think. And as DJ said, you have to learn how to play Augusta National. You really have to learn how to play it. And he's finally learned how to play it. Um, and now, you know, he's learned how to play it when it's firm. He's learned how to play it when it was very soft, uh, as it was in November. So, uh, yeah, D- DJ knows how to play that golf course. You, you, That sort of speaks to the part where Butch Harmon's in your package talking about DJ's IQ. I mean, there, there has been a perception that Dustin Johnson is not an especially intelligent person. And you speak to a lot of people who – dispute that and they're like look he may not be somebody who's going to sit here and debate Chaucer he's not going to sit down and you know talk about lots of different academic subjects perhaps he's not going to get into a debate about velocity and mass with Bryson DeChambeau that's just not what he's into he knows how to control his swing he knows what he's doing but as Butch Harmon sort of says in your piece like he's he's sly like a fox that if if you don't really love or enjoy talking to media all that much and you have an obligation to do it short answers get you out of these things faster. And so it actually, there's a, it's somewhat of a method to the madness. Um, Is that pretty much what you have picked up on now is that it's not, you know, DJ may not be uh, the most book smart person, but he is very, very aware of what he needs to, to do from a professional golfer standpoint, from a family standpoint, 
from a managing the media sort of standpoint. And he just doesn't necessarily get into talking with us all that often when there's 50 to 100 scribes, you know, sitting around looking for quotes. That's not what he's into, right? I mean, he'll certainly talk to one or two reporters and engage in them and, and ask them and talk sports or talk how the kids are going, how his kids are doing, um, what he thinks of the golf course. But yeah, it, it's funny in these Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's actually a little charming too. DJ will do these Zoom calls. And as soon as the PGA Tour official says, well, that's all we got for you, DJ, he's out. He bolts off that chair. And he's he's out. Um, yeah, and, and it's 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 been great, but no one knows his swing better than DJ. Yeah, no one knows his body better than DJ. Um, so he knows how to work out to exact what he has to do. He knows he has to put the time in. He knows his swing better than anybody. He knows his equipment as well as anybody. He know he can talk to you about anything golf related if he wants to. Um, and you know. I think it was, you know, Rory McIlroy said his IQ is off the charts. Butch Harmon, his IQ, golf IQ is off the charts. Um, he knows how to dissect a golf course the way that best suits him. Might not the same way that Colin Morikawa dissects a golf course or Jordan Spieth dissects a golf course. It's how DJ dissects a golf course. But that way is as good a way as there is. Um, he just is – he knows himself better than anybody. And the closest person that would know him would be AJ, Austin Johnson, who's now his caddy uh, and has been his caddy, I think, for 18 wins now uh, wow. and majors. Um, he knows DJ because I think they've, they've been running mates now for 33 years. I mean, I think the a, AJ's 33. Um, and he says the same thing. Look, DJ knows who DJ is. And DJ knows how to get DJ to the best possible place to win. And DJ still wants to win. He, only people that have been number one longer than DJ and can say, you know, multiple weeks is Tiger Woods and Greg Norman. And so, and he still wants to stay there. Um, and I don't see any reason why he won't stay there um, or battle for it for many years to come because he still loves to hit a golf ball and still loves to win tournaments. And I think he'd love to win a few more for Tatum and River to watch as we go forward. So the next big one that's going to be on his coverage, obviously, is the Masters. And do you see any reason why he should not be thought of as the prohibitive favorite? Obviously, winning two Masters in essentially six months is somebody something nobody has ever attempted because we've never done this before. Winning back-to-back -back majors is a pretty stout accomplishment. You look at the field, there's obviously going to be a lot of players who are, are going to be in some good form, who are going to be contending. But I, I can't find a reason not to pick Dustin Johnson to be the person to beat uh, this year at Augusta. Can you? Not right now. I mean, at the very least, he'd be a co-favorite. But he's a favorite. Um, and I think he's going to find out that only Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods and Nick Faldo have won back to back masters. And I think that he'll put into his, into his head and say, Hey, I'd like to join that, that group. That'd be pretty nice. Um, he's already gone back and, and found out his, he shares his locker with Fuzzy Zeller. Um, he had his 
he stayed overnight for the first time when he went back um, earlier this year. I um, mean, he loved it. He wants to go. He, he can't wait for the champions dinner. But golf-wise, you know, it's going to be a completely different golf course. Um, you know, in November, people were flying long irons to back pins. That would have ne- that never that hardly ever happens at Augusta unless it's pouring out. Um, and I mean, we saw it early in, in early in the week. Um, Bryson was out there on the 13th. I remember the 13th, and he had a long iron into the 13th for a second shot, and it plugged almost on the green. It stopped on the green. And that we never saw it. And that's not going to be the case. They've gotten some rain, but it looks like the forecast is going to be nice. It'll be firm. Um, and I think that just plays into DJ even more. Uh, I think a firm and fast golf course plays even better for him because he hits it as high as anybody, maybe not as high as Bryson, but right there. He hits it as long as anybody, maybe not Bryson, but right there. He can't have any more confidence than he has right now. Um and as we have seen, he, he's learned how to play that. In his last two Masters, he loses by a shot to Tiger Woods, and he wins by five shots. So he's played two Masters. He's been beaten by one guy. I mean, so um, he's got to be the prohibitive favorite. He'll be a big, big favorite, um, and he'll play to it. Uh, what do you, if he does join Tiger and Jack and Nick as back-to-back, we'll see. But I'd be very shocked if he's not there come Sunday. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you just sort of said. I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be looked at as a favorite. I will I will have a lot of trouble in my master's pools not having him as the number one pick. So, Steve, thanks a lot for teaching me a lot about DJ. It was some fascinating stuff, some things in there I knew, plenty of things in there that I did not know, which were some really cool kind of nuggets. Folks, if you haven't had a chance to read uh, this, head over to golfweek.com. Definitely check it out. And, uh, Steve, we'll look forward to seeing everything you're going to be writing from Augusta National. Thanks a lot, pal. Thank you, big man. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.